Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this session on second screening. It's going to be a great um, session that we've got lined up for you today. We've got a brilliant um, selection of speakers who are going to share their thoughts and experiences um, from this area. Um, we've got um, different perspectives represented here. So from the broadcaster, um, representing the broadcaster perspective, we've got Simon Cobb from the BBC. From the developer's point of view, we've got Mark Goodchild from Sync Screen TV and the Little Big Partnership. And a really interesting view from um, Andrea Nagel from um, Beamly from the world of social networks as well. And of course, um, one thing we also need to consider is this perspective of kids themselves, which is where we're going to kick off this session. So based on some research that we've been doing um, at the Pineapple Lounge with 8 to 12 year olds, and it's probably important to say that most of what we're all going to be talking today does refer to the sort of 8, 8 and above, the tween age group. I'm going to start this session by sharing with you um, some insights um, that we got from um, some research that we've been doing to study real second screen behaviour. So the research that we've done involves um, a methodology called Kids Vision, where we strap cameras to kids um, and get them recording um, real-time behaviour. Um, media behaviour with kids, as you all know, is so innate and spontaneous that it's really important to get close to real behaviour. And I'm going to show you a film from that research um, which demonstrates that. So I'm going to give you two perspectives. The first one from the perspective of kids themselves, and then a second, slightly more grown-up one, which is a behavioural interpretation of what we saw in the research. So if we start off by looking um, at what kids define as second screening, it's actually quite interesting from, from our um, experience of researching this that uh, kids find it quite a strange thing to talk about. And the reason because... Um, the reason of that is because they, it is so natural and innate to them. So when you ask them to talk about a behaviour which involves using two screens, their, their general reaction is to sort of look at you quite confusedly and sort of say, but, but why would you do anything else? Um, why are you asking me um, about this thing? So I think it's quite interesting that, that you know, um, of what's something that we can learn from this is that we probably need to start to reframe a little bit about what we think um, second screening is and means to kids. Um, I think sometimes we talk about second screening like it's some sort of um, magical, novel, real occasion and moment in their daily lives. And we're now at the point where it's actually not. Um, it's definitely become part of their everyday. And actually, when you talk to them about the, the drivers of why they're doing it, um, these can actually be quite functional, things like saving time and preventing boredom. So certainly one of the big um, kind of headlines for us was that kids don't see this type of behaviour as a thing. It's, it's completely spontaneous um, and natural to them. Something that we also need to think about um, from a kid's perspective specifically is what actually is the second screen and for kids quite often it's the big screen that is the second screen not the small screen it doesn't mean that the big screen isn't important and we've heard already in this conference that it absolutely is but the action quite a lot of the time is on the small screen um, so that's why why for them that's quite often the primary screen so if you think of the tv as being the host but the small screen is very much where the party is at um, for kids if we come at this from um, another slightly different angle, so thinking more um, behaviourally and kind of what developmentally they're actually able to do, what we've done is created um, sort of three tiers of types of second screening um, behaviour. So 
The first one um, is split attention. So this is when they are doing um, two different activities where the content has no relationship to the other. Um, and this is actually one of the most common forms of second screening that we saw in the research. So this is, for example, watching TV whilst playing on an app or being on WhatsApp. And actually also, unfortunately, for parents also doing their homework sometimes as well. Um, this type of second screening is the hardest um, form of second screening. So it requires an ability to switch between two mediums and it's splitting a child's attention in multiple directions. If the attention is lost on one, then it's not true second screening behaviour. Um, so it's quite tricky. Um, this generation of kids, as you probably are all sort of aware, do have an incredible ability to achieve this. So I think in our research, we observed behaviour and we thought there's absolutely no way they are able to take in these two streams of information. And, and, and actually, they were, and they are, they are doing that. Um, it does get slightly more easier the older they get. So it's sort of around eight and nine. This, this is kind of more commonly practised. You might see younger kids doing it, but it's probably not an effective um, split of attention. Next one along, um, synchronised engagement. Um, so this is where a secondary device um, is used to consume some sort of content that's relating to what they're seeing on the big screen. So examples from the research were going to a website of a particular TV show, or there was quite a lot of um, looking up words or phrases that they didn't understand, um, which they described as something that made them feel um, very clever um, as they were watching the TV show. Um, and also things like um, using Skype, to share that um, TV experience with their friends. So we actually heard of occasions where they would Skype their friend and turn the device around so their friend could also watch what they were watching and then they'd have a conversation about what was happening um, on the TV screen um, together. There's more of an overlap here in the content that's being consumed, so it's actually slightly easier um, for younger kids to cope with this type of um, attention diversion compared to the first one. And then the final one, focused integration, which you're going to see some examples of um, in a minute, is the one that perhaps um, most of you are perhaps innovating in or definitely the one that shows um, the most potential. So this is, of course, where the second device is being used in complete... Um, completely integrated with what's happening on, on the big screen and is being used to enhance that experience. And, and I think in, in our research and in most of the conversations that we have with children, there is less spontaneous awareness of this type of second screening. Um, generally, it's the Saturday night TV um, show examples that, that are most cited, so the voice and the X Factor um, voting apps. So in order to achieve this type of second screening, kids need to be able to follow a storyline um, and be prompted and, and carry out behaviours when they're prompted. So there's actually no attention splitting um, in this type of second screening. Um, our research was conducted with eight and above, but we propose that there's actually a really interesting opportunity and some really exciting stuff being done um, with preschoolers because it is actually, in terms of developmentally, easier for them to follow because there is not that diversion in attention. So let's have a look at some um, real second screening um, behaviour in action. So you're going to introduce you to Olivia. She's 11. Um, she's wearing um, our kids' vision camera, so you'll be able to see um, exactly what she, she saw. Um, and she's also interacting with her friend Aisha, who's also 11, who is on Skype. So you will hear her voice as well. 
teeth between teeth things, you could also do both at the same time. Because, but it's kind of difficult what time. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to choose like a specific one thing and you can just do everything together. It's easier with Skype because you can like talk and watch at the same time without having to like, yeah. So yeah, that's cool. Cass! Sorry, I watch you about Cass! If someone's doing something like on, on the TV show and you're like, oh, I want to do that as well. And yeah. then you find out you actually can do it and you're like, whoa, yay! Makes you feel happy and excited. <laughs> I'm sucked into this TV show, I can't multitask. You've only been on five minutes. I know! What is it about? It's about a girl who dances. You like want to do something in the TV show and you're trying to like, um, trying to like go along with it but they don't have anything for you to like play with, uh, to interact with the TV show, if that makes sense. No, actually I'm, watch I'm listening to you and just watching TV. But I will play Minecraft right now. Welcome to Ultimate Multiplayer for Minecraft. You see? It saves your time. And, and if you have like loads of things to do, then it'll go really quickly if you do like more than one thing at a time. It'd be fabulous if they had the movie in the corner of Minecraft or something. That would be good. Well, usually I like take pictures of myself watching the TV, uh, watching the program that I'm watching. And then I say, hey, look, I'm watching this show for example and they do hash, hashtag um, BGT or something. No, you can get a diamond chat. Oh my god! Oh my god, that is your chocolate. Oh my god, is this how you actually type stuff? That's what we want to build. Oh my god, I love this. Like people that you don't know can you can see what they're up what they watch and their photos that they take or if they're watching it live or something. Oh! I need you to... Oh, oh, the France just scored a goal against Switzerland. Oh my God, I died. So if your favourite programmes had an app that you could download and play on the interactive, would you download them? Definitely, yes. Oh my God, this, this, um... What's it called again? TV show is so like dramatic and everything. Okay, Dance Academy, dramatic stuff. Um, so I think what we learn in our research and, and hopefully what's kind of given you a good sort of um, look into is that I think kids have moved much quickly than we've been able to keep up in this area. Um, last night in the keynote, Dylan talked about um, kids creating their own um, digital infrastructures and that's exactly what we saw in our research. The, the kind of, we're now in a situation where they're using platforms and tools to, to meet their needs but these aren't 
quite existing in, in a perfect harmony yet. They're kind of hashing together their own ecosystems um, with two and sometimes even three screens, um, and they don't necessarily always sync or work perfectly together. I think the challenge for us, and we're going to touch upon this in the discussion now, is how we meet some of these needs that have been created quite organically and spontaneously by what kids are doing and how we create stuff that fits into that um, exist existing ecosystem that they've created. So first up, we're going to hear from the broadcaster. Um, Simon, um, if you could talk us through some of the award-winning work that, mm -hmm. that you've been working on. That would be <laughs> nice. Hi there. Yeah, I'm Simon. I work for uh, C Children's uh, at the BBC. I do both CBBC and CBBS, but I'm talking to you about the stuff we did uh, for CBBC this year. So far in 2014, CBBC has released two play-along apps. Uh, they're standalone uh, for Android and uh, Apple users. And in a move that disappoints literally tens of users, we haven't supported an, uh, Windows on that one. <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah. So. First one, this is Ludus himself. You can see there's a bit of a family resemblance there. Um, I, both of our apps, Horrible Histories, Gory Games, and this one, Ludus, share a premise that we wanted kids to do exactly the same thing as contestants in the studio at exactly the same time. And this works at the time of broadcast. It works on iPlayer. And it also works if you've done it on a digital video recorder as well. So the access, there's loads of access as long as you've got a recording of the show you can play along and the app installed obviously so I'm not going to talk too much about um, horrible histories gory games because that's what Mark's here for um, the basic premise is a series of multi if you haven't seen the show series of multiple choice questions uh, timed against the clock and you win year spheres and at the end your year spheres are added up AD dates plus score BC dates minus score and whoever gets the highest total uh, wins the game um, the first one out the door, and not only was this uh, CBBC's first play-along app, it was also uh, CBBC's first app. It was our first leap into the app space. Uh, what it is, uh, Ludus, I'll give you the show premise for those who haven't seen it. Ludus is uh, uh, some sort of intergalactic bad guy. He's a bit camp, he's a bit Frank and Furter from Rocky Horror. He's, he's very funny. Um, and the kids, uh, he goes around kidnapping uh, kids, friends and family and taking them off to his non-specific destination in space. The kids then have to go there. He challenges them to play his games to win their friends and family and their return ticket home. So as you can see, we've got, um, uh, well, probably the most accessible one is the, uh, is the breakout. It's the ripoff of breakout down the bottom right. And um, there's the uh, cog of light, which did very well for us. Uh, a nice little game. We have to keep all the lights on at all the same t all the same time. So um, we know that there's a big appetite for this, as you've just seen from the research. Uh, we recently, Ludus won just last week, won a broadcast digital award for best children's digital content. Horrible histories. Um, that got uh, that was our most popular piece of content over the summer half term, and also um, we reached the dizzy heights of number one in the app store in the kids free category nine to elevens. Um, I'm going to take you back now to uh, where it all began and why we did this in the first place. Um, eight years ago, we did some research at the BBC, which matched up with uh, what Emma's been talking about, and we found that kids were using multiple devices all at the same time. And so what we wanted to do was, as a broadcaster, how could we make an experience that locked those two things together? So for these first two releases, we weren't trying 
to uh, create definitive play-along experiences. We were trying to uh, find out where the joins were, what was possible, what wasn't possible, what was the, uh, what were the, uh, what is the dual screen experience, uh, what could it, what could and should it be? And despite the exploratory nature, we thought we knew two things. The first thing we thought we knew was you have to take advantage of existing audience behaviours. So for Gory Games, we knew that uh, kids shouted out the answers as they played along with the TV, as they watched the TV show. So that was that was easy. And then the other one, Ludus, it's a series of um, minute-long arcade-style games. And anyone in the room who's a gamer knows that the most frustrating thing is to watch someone else who's not as good as you play a game. And this taps into that. I can do better than that. Give it here. I, I'm desperate to I'm desperate to prove I can do that. The other thing that we knew was that um, a super show is not going to save an average app. And the other way around is true too. An, um, an appalling app, no, the other way around, an amazing app is not going to save a super show. So armed with that piece of information, we set out, released the two apps, and we set ourselves the target of a 10% um, conversion rate. So that means we wanted at least 10% of the audience playing along at the same time as watching the TV show. The industry average, when we started this out, was about 6% for your voices and your million pound drops. So, come the day, first episode of Ludus, our very first app, our very first play along. We booked out um, the top floor of a pub in Cardiff because uh, that's where Cube Interactive, who uh, made the digital proposition, and Boom, um, who made the TV proposition, are based. And we held our breath, waiting for it to start. It was all fine, it connected. We had a few pints that night. Then we sat back and waited for uh, the results to come in. We peaked at 15%, so 10% was a stretch target because the industry average was six. We peaked at uh, 15, we were always above 10. This took some working out because um, digital stats come in one bucket, TV broadcast stats come in another bucket. So it would be great to have a hybrid of the two. So to go back to those questions, when I said we're testing the boundaries, the purpose of these is not to uh, define the experience, it's to find out what that experience might be. So the first thing, no-brainer, is what is the appointment to play? So Horrible History's Gory Games, you're answering questions. Uh, Ludus, you're, you're playing the games, win your friends and family back. Just a clear, strong proposition that kids can get behind and understand really quickly. So the next challenge we needed to overcome is uh, play along with TV versus play anytime. The linear nature of TV uh, means that you know, it starts and it finishes. Whereas in the apps universe, you're used to having access whenever you like and playing with the thing whenever you like. So it's a tricky balance to strike with that. And uh, we've, got, uh, we've got some more uh, work to do on that, I think. And then you've got TV show linearity versus app endless play. Like I say, TV show starts, TV show finishes. But if you go into the apps world, the most popular things, things like Minecraft, they're about creating. It never stops. So how do you, how do you make that do that dual function? And then you want a jeopardy and a payoff that works both on TV and in the app. For example, uh, Millionaire, you've got that kind of bit where he does the, uh, where the soundtrack comes in and it's like, real drama, real drama. But out of a mobile phone or tablet speakers, there's no drama. That sounds not, that sounds tinny. It's, you've been on the top deck of a bus with the teens, with the ute. That's what it sounds like. It's not, it's not going to bring the tension up. So you need to find a way of doing that. And what's the player progression arc through the series? 
the kids in the studio, they, do it, they come on, they play it all the way through, they do it one time. The players at home, you want them coming back time and time again. What's in it for them? Why, once they've done it once, why would they play it again? And then how to connect players at home with the players on TV. Uh, you saw that from the research that Emma presented, That's, uh, that, that they, they want to get involved, they want to consume the content with the, with the children just as they're doing. And then for out there, and to other players out there. How do you connect the player here? How do you make it feel like a connected experience, like you're not just alone playing this, there's others out there, and it's a very social kind of thing. So it's kind of breaching social for kids. So those are the questions that um, the two apps we did raised. That's everything I've got for you. Um, if you like tweets of a dubious nature, that is uh, a dubious quality, not nature. Sorry, that, was, that, was, that came out a little wrong. That is how to get, uh, that's how to get hold of some. Um, and uh, that's me all done. I'll, uh, le oh, no, it's not me all done. I've got to say, if you haven't played along, CBBC is going to be putting Gory Games and Ludus back on in August. So go to the App Store, get the apps, get ready. In August, we're back, and you can play along and see for yourself what's going on there. So a note to self, not cancel my holiday in August now. Um, so Simon and I work very closely on both uh, Gory Games, which was a commission that we got with, um, with Lion TV and Citrus, who made the TV show, um, and also on Ludus, because what happened in the end was it was our technology in the background which was powering both. Um, and so we were, what I'm going to talk you through very briefly is sort of a year in the life of developing and learning about how you actually do the production for second screen activities, um, which fit in Emma's sort of third camp, these integrated uh, uh, propositions. Um, my background, uh, for those who don't know me, is I used to be uh, a TV producer by trade, then went more and more digital over the years, and then I worked at the BBC for quite a long time in uh, heading up children's digital. And so, so I've always had a foot in both camps. And for me, the big thing when we took on and when we pitched Gory Games to the BBC was that we didn't want to create a second screen activity that disrupted the very show it was supposed to be supporting. There's a lot of apps out there which claim to be sort of tackling the disruption, but then when you get them, you see all eyes down and people have lost their attention on the show. And I think to a good degree, when I was watching the videos that Emma had, you know, I wonder how much those kids were consuming or, or retaining stuff around the show that were on in the background. It felt like, that they were, to me, that they were becoming more and more ambient. So we set out uh, a couple of years ago, the premise, we needed to research this space because no one was doing it in kids. And so two years ago here at CMC, I think we demoed some work which we'd done uh, thanks to the Technology Strategy Board uh, around Mr. Maker with uh, um, Zodiac TV. And then uh, last year, we, we were taking that further. And then when Cheryl uh, Taylor came in, I think she, she went, was in post around October last year, September, October? That's when suddenly it went from being a nice idea that we, we'd been banging the, on the door about to being something, actually, can we actually deliver this? Do we know how to do this? And our focus has been not to deliver a second screen uh, project for, for the Lion and Citrus team, but to actually re-engineer what's a two-screen TV app show. And that's quite significant because we don't think of one screen as being more important than the other. So if we can go to my slides, I'll talk you through seven things that we've learned in the last year. That's us. That's the company. So the first thing was we, we 
came at it from the point of view, as Simon said, we already had a show where people were by naturally shouting out at the telly. But the minute you put a screen in front of them, they actually have to do a few more cognitive steps. They have to comprehend the, the question that's being asked. They have to look down. They have to see the right answer. They have to match what they're hearing with what they're seeing, make a selection. Um, and that takes time. So one of the first things we wanted to do was work out how do you shift the attention backwards and forwards so it felt natural. And we played around with lots of things. Some of it, a lot of it's actually audio-driven. So you get nice big cues on the, the app, which you'll hear, hopefully you'll hear in a minute, um, which, the, which are basically a signifier to look down. This is your moment. But the minute we did that, we then also had to breed, build in that breathing space into the TV show. So we took the shows back into the edit. I was working with the Citrus team. Um, and we re-cut some of those shows. And we had quite a lot of argy-bargy about it, to be honest, because there were times when I was saying, I need another 10 seconds in there. And they were saying, but that's going to upset the pace of the show. And gradually, we were, we were working out our own formula for what worked and what didn't work, and how would we fill this space. Um, in the end, we were able to use some outtakes of Dave Lamb, where he'd actually repeated the question in the studio. But it was also about having more, uh, building a new sound design so the show could breathe. So we wanted to shift attention backwards and forwards in a natural way. But we also realized we were teaching new behavior. And the first iterations of the app, we put them in front of kids. And literally, the first screen, because this is what kids always do when you give them an app and it's got pictures on it, they were just hitting everything on the screen. We're going, no, no, that's not the moment you're supposed to be interacting. That's the bit when you're meant to be watching the TV. And I don't think we've got it right, but there is something about second screen uh, or two screen experiences where you, we have to educate the audience through that. And we did that with videos. We've been trying, we tested it with kids again and again. And there are simple little cues you'll see where the app actually looks a bit dormant, but that's because it is. And we had to try and get that across to kids. Uh, they're inherently social. Children want to be social. I'm not sure they always want to be social uh, through uh, verb, through language and text, but they do have, want social currency. And yet, in the kids' space, we're incredibly limited on that, for good reason. So whereas the voice and all these other apps would be uh, allowing you to connect uh, through Facebook Connect, we didn't have any of that. CBBC do have something called uh, CBBC Friends. But we decided, and I think quite rightly, that that was probably amounting too far for this. Uh, that would have killed us. We would never have got this out. But what we wanted to do is, with the app, and you'll see a little bit of this, is to try and reflect that sort of sense that you're playing along with other people, even though you weren't connecting to other kids. And the, our solution to that was that you actually were playing along with the studio contestants. And they actually appear in a bar a bit like a friend's bar might appear. So, you know, whether we got that right or not, I don't know. But the kids all get a name check in the app that you're playing along with. And we wrote in algorithms so you could see how you were doing against what each individual child. We talked about voting is a, obviously a big thing in, the, uh, in TV, Saturday Night Entertainment. But when we were, we were playing around, should we do some votes at the beginning of the show, at the end of the show, stuff that you could do? And the kids were quite canny about, well, there's no point having a vote if you're not going to do anything about it. And the nature of children's television is that the vast majority of it is recorded. So we don't have those big Saturday night entertainment moments when you can actually have a feed into a TV show. I think we can get more sophisticated in future. But they were saying, don't just put in a poll or a vote just for the sake of it. Um, 
because they want to see the consequence. If you're asking my opinion, then listen to my opinion. And if you don't listen, then don't ask. So we, we ruled out the voting in this. I think there are other applications, but I think it needs a lot of consideration. Um, signposts are absolutely essential. So we, we had the premise, we put it in front of kids, it tested really well, we iterated it, we improved it, but there's nothing you can do uh, more than trying to educate the kid, children and say, this is, where, this, is when you, this is what the app does, this is when you're going to need it, this is what your prompts are going to be. And CBBC did a really good job of the promotions, uh, trails and things, building awareness. I think between us, we'd probably all say we didn't quite turn that awareness into activation, if you're using marketing terms, on the days, and it got better over the course of the run. But in the first few days, I think we all assumed that children, they knew what it was, so of course they're going to tune in at the right time and open their app. Most children don't watch the clock. They don't really know what time it is. And then even if they were watching Gory Games, they remembered after the show, oh, I've, got, I've already downloaded that app. So... As we went on, and I think in future, we would spend a lot more time signposting those reminders. We did build in some little alerts so that it would remind you not to forget to tune in tomorrow, and if you had your app open five minutes before, it would tell you five minutes to go, don't, you know, don't run away. But there's still a lot to do in that space. And they also, I always find it interesting whenever we work with children, on one hand, we think they're completely unruly and do whatever, you know, they'll do whatever they please, but they're also quite obedient, and they will sometimes wait to do something, and we haven't remembered to say, yes, you can do it now. And we had a few things like that in the app that we, you know, all the buttons would pop up, and they didn't realize, that, or, or they knew they were interacting, but they didn't know whether they could start. So it's all about user-centric design, so we're going to move on to a demo in a few, few minutes. The crucial things from our perspective is don't build this as a bolt-on, you have to integrate it. And as a company, that's where we're spending our energy, is building tools for producers. And we want to help children fall back in love with TV, not distract them from the TV. So this is the scary bit. Okay. So, um, multitasking. Uh, Gory Games app. This is, if you start playing it now, from the beginning of the show. Um, a bit louder. Okay, skip it down. So, the app is currently listening to the same show that you're watching. You can see it behind me over the shoulder. It's not probably the best experience for you. You can dip the sound a bit now, I think. So the app is listening. And as you see, the very first thing of this show is we're telling the kids to stand by. I think if we did this show again, we would have built in time for there to be an interaction very early on, to us to get the kids sort of oriented around what's happening. So what you're seeing now is the kids in the show are popping up on the iPad at exactly the same time that they appear in the show. That's technically very complicated and clever, but actually we wanted to make it invisible. The important thing for the kids was every show had different contestants and we wanted to have a, have an, uh, a relationship with them so that you felt that you had people you really wanted to play along with. That would look out of place in the British Museum. Or more precisely, in the skip out the back of the British Museum. 
What's round one? Let's go over to the gory grid. Signposting, saying time's coming up. Good day. So, four questions on the Victorians coming up. The person who gets the most right wins the first year sphere. And your four Victorian topics are Stuntmen, Alfred Nobel, Gadgets. And this is one of those moments of linearity so that Simon Callum, talked about. That's, so, Callum's going to pick the, the, the question round. The kids in on at home aren't going to be able to affect that. So at first they all wanted to. So we had to engineer some language so that they just understood. Actually, that bit isn't in your gift. Bobby Leach was a famous Victorian stuntman who died going Shout over out, true falls. falls in a metal barrel. Bobby Leach was a famous Victorian stuntman who died going over Niagara Falls in a metal barrel. Is that true or is that false? Show me your answers now, please. I've just pressed false. Bang! Everyone's gone for false. Let's find out if they're all right or all wrong. It's false! He survived the barrel drop, but died years later when he slipped on an orange peel, broke his leg, and died of gangrene! <laughs> what a lemon! Yes, it's a shame to see a mango like that. Mango! Ooh, I should have said that. <laughs> You're slipping. Congratulations, everybody. That's a point apiece. So what we did was that they were all getting points in the studio. We mirrored the points that they were getting, and we also gave you a point yourself. So you're in the same bar as them. The Archbishop lost the coronation ring. Is that true or is that? I'm going to tell you it's false. Just because I want us to get more points in the studio contestants. James thinks it's false. What's the answer, please? It's false. He didn't lose the ring, but he did place it on the wrong finger, and it caused Queen Victoria an awful lot of pain to get it off. James, congratulations, that's an extra point for you. And it is your turn to pick a topic. Uh, please, we have gadgets. So I'm going to do the next question and, and then I'll let James it go, because I think you get the idea. Prop question, prop question, uh, prop question. Rattus, you've booby-trapped two of the prop governors, haven't you? Yes, Dave. You're my friend, right? Yes, Dave. And you wouldn't want me to get hurt, would you? No, Dave. No. So which cupboard is the prop in? The top cupboard, Dave. OK, thank you, Rattus, I trust you. <laughs> Why, Rattus? I think the longest it's question. Okay, we'll dip it there. So, uh, so basically, the technology now works. Um, it uh, was a, a leap of faith by the BBC, and I think uh, a, a lot of love from both Cube and Boom on their productions, and the Lion Citrus team and ourselves working on the gory game stuff. The crucial thing is, I think we've learned so much, and yet we're probably still on the baby steps from our point of view. And as Simon said, what we're really keen on is that producers start getting excited about what it can do, and that the broadcasters go, don't get put off that it's hard work, that we are onto something here, and we're still learning, but actually it's getting simpler the further we go on. So uh, thank you, and if you want to get in touch, that's my email. that um, so let's hear from Andrea we've talked a little bit about um, the role of social um, and how that fits into um, the second screening experience so let's hear from Andrea hello uh, so I work at Beamly you may have heard of Beamly um, under our former name we used to be called Zbox so in 2011 Zbox launched as a second screen app and we were focused on all of and really very much on this kind of behavior on providing games that users could play uh, along with the TV show. So this is one example here. Uh, this is an integration with NBC in the States where people could vote for their favorite act as the, as the TV show was live on air. 
Um, but after we launched, uh, after we launched Zbox, when it was in the wild and when it was live, we went through quite an extensive period of user research to really understand how we could improve this platform and what, uh, you know, who our natural audience was and, um, and what were some of the problems that were emerging around this space. Um, one of the things that we, that we soon learned was the fact that our, our real audience lay in a slightly younger, more female audience than we'd initially received and initially expected. So we really started honing in on these younger female users and interviewing them, bringing them into the office and showing them the app to understand uh, what they really wanted. So here are some of the problems that, that they were encountering with um, both with TV and with second screening behavior. So as you saw a drive to watching on-demand TV shows, people were finding it difficult to find out you know, when new shows are starting and um, what are the new cool things that I should be watching and talking to my friends about. Um, conversely, on the flip side, we do see a bit of a, a drive to live for, for the really big shows for, for event TV because people are really scared about going onto Twitter or going onto other social networks and finding out what the ending of their favorite TV show will be. Um, we, also, uh, we also detected that people really want to get involved in the show. When you love a TV show, you really feel a sense of ownership over it. So we have people coming in saying, I watch every single episode of EastEnders and I want to be able to write a script for it and have people listen to that and listen to my voice. Um, and we also detected some of this behavior around people wanting social currency. The, one of the reasons why you watch TV is because it gives you something to talk to your friends about the next day. So people really want the gossip and they want the, the really juicy gossip, not just the clean, sanitized version that the broadcasters will sometimes give them, but sometimes kind of the behind the scenes uh, interesting stuff. Um, we also started detecting a bit of nervousness around interacting in public though. There's lots of, there, I don't know, there are a few stories in the media about how people can be trolled online or receive, I don't know, receive negative feedback if they go on Twitter and talk about shows um, when everyone's talking. So we want to be able to really cater for this kind of nervousness and make a really safe place to be. So bearing that in mind, we, we really changed the focus of our platform and put our best foot forward and relaunched as Beamly, a social network for TV. So we can still cater for that kind of second screen behavior, but now the emphasis is very much on uh, people coming in and, and interacting and engaging 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whenever they want to. So the focus of our, uh, of our app is uh, for on-demand TV, just as much as live TV. Um, it's really community-focused, so we've got places where, where people can come any time of the day to be able to talk about their favorite shows. Now that we've got a community burgeoning on the site and, and it's kind of growing and flourishing, I think the really important thing for us is to set the tone, set the tone for that community um, to address some of that initial nervousness about the fact that, you know, if I go and talk to other people that I don't necessarily know online, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be trolled or, or people might say nasty things to me. So we try to set the tone with the, with the content that we write and with the games that we produce. Um, then we went through a bit of a thinking exercise. So, so Zbox and Beamly is really not an app focused for kids, but as our user base is starting to get younger and more female focused, we're starting to think about how we could evolve the platform to, to really appeal to kids. So there are two directions we could go in. One direction is to create maybe a kid's version of the app, a really dedicated, safe social space that's similar to some of the games that we were talking about earlier. Um, and what could that look like? It could look something like this, maybe. This isn't, uh, it's not something that we're building, but this was kind of a, a hack day project, a small project that we worked on as a team. Um, so maybe you could watch the TV show and you could unlock quizzes when you've watched the TV show. It could maybe have an educational slant so that parents feel really confident about their kids using this thing. Um, but we very quickly realized that this is a whole, you know, a whole new world. Um, this isn't what our business is focused on. So we brought it back. And we're starting to think, how could, we, how could we make our community and our second screen platform work for 
um, work for teenagers and work for um, people who are 13 plus. That's who our platform's really for. So we've got some ideas. Um, in the user research sessions, one of the, when we invite in younger users, one of the things that they, we consistently hear is the fact that they want to be where, where the cool kids are. I don't just want to be here because the TV show is telling me to be here, but are my friends here? Are the kids in the year above here? Or if you don't have any, have any of those guys here, have you got any celebrities here who I can talk to? Those are the really exciting people who are going to draw, draw new users back in. Um, giving them a direct line into the show, as we've been talking about, it's really difficult. It's really difficult to create a show around that kind of engagement with, uh, with kids or with adults. But that's, that's what they're really after. That's what they're really excited about. I think the main thing for, for younger kids, just as much as for our, our current user base, is to give them the control over the community. Like I said, people are sometimes more interested in the unofficial, um, slightly more subversive content and you know, fan art and user-created content. So we think that if you, give, if you give the community control and creative control and give them the ability to hear the content that they find interesting, that will be a real winner. Um, but of course, because you're giving community control, especially to younger kids, there's this, there's this risk that, um, that there'll be some kind of negativity. So community management, enforcing those kind of guidelines is very important. You could keep it family friendly, but make sure to keep it interesting so that it's the kind of place that kids will keep coming back to. That's it for me. Thank you very much. We've got some time for questions. Does anyone have a question? One over there. Hello. Um, you've got a brilliant conversion rate on the um, apps to um, TV show interaction, 15%. Mm -hmm. um, what level of promo was the running alerting kids as to these apps as to what was going on and you know where to go and get them? Did you did you make a concerted effort to really up that sort of rotation? Well, this is yeah, this is an interesting one for us. So we um, because obviously you know the C, well maybe you know the CBBC has a website which didn't really fit into this relationship because the relationship is really between the TV output and the app that's on the device. So um, how we could the challenge was to represent that on on the site so we had a lot um we for ludus we had a, a basically an html5 game which uh so kids could access it on mobiles and um it was just one of the levels from ludus one of the more addictive ones and we had a big old get the app button on this so we got a click through from that um we also had um a cbbc presentation um teeing up saying you know, half hour in the in the slot before that, saying, "Hey, in half an hour, it's uh, Ludus or it's Gory Games. Uh, make sure you've got the app. Be ready. Come back here at um, X o'clock." Uh, so it's it's that kind of thing. Uh, we also put um, the Gory Games trail on our uh, brand new YouTube channel as well. So we, it was just about trying to get as much um, traffic directed towards the app stores, which was again a. a a challenge for CBBC because um, we usually operate a walled garden kind of thing. One of our key tenets is uh, safety uh, for the audience. And so this was uh, navigating that journey was um, a challenge, I'll say. But yeah, we did. We tried to make it so that it was everywhere. But because we don't control uh, the App Store platform or the Google Play platform, we had to signpost people that way wherever we could. So obviously it, it makes complete sense the, how the second screen stuff works in a, um, with game shows and with uh, sort of play-along kind of stuff. I just wondered if any, of, for all of you really, um, uh, how you see second screen working with um, dramas and, and scripted mm -hmm. stuff, if at all. 
Yeah, yeah, you go. So, so I'm, I'm, from a program maker point of view, I, this is the thing that everyone says, yet yeah, people always get it afterwards, and like game shows do seem to be right, but actually, even the game shows on Ludus, I don't think were as straightforward on paper before we do it. And it's, it's the old adage, you know, you, if it looks simple, it's probably not. I think drama, I think scripted narrative of any sort is tough. But our approach is, it's not so much, a, you know, you have, you have scripted narrative in computer games, you have scripted narrative in all sorts of media, which are, pantomime is scripted narrative and interactive, because you shout out and it changes every evening. So, so our take is, it is possible in practically every genre, it's not going to work for every story, because the pacing is up, has to be in the hands of the, the author. But you've got to, it's the way you write it, you have to write it for two planes. And that's we've we've been trying to come up with the right language for it. But we, you know what we were doing in the edit at various times was we were editing picture in picture, so we knew what was we had a guide for what was going to be on the app, so we knew we got the timings absolutely right. And I think you can have things which is the sort of the inner monologue could be on the second screen. You can have uh, the side story of the character who goes out of vision. And we've been playing around with some ideas about you know it's it's having that secret. You've got access to what they're seeing on their Twitter stream or whatever. The, the TV show you could never do because you'd just be, you'd clutter the screen and it becomes an opt-in. But I do think there's a lot of potential, but it's, it's a whole, we're not taught to write that way and that's hard. I think it's very interesting, and I mean the analogy I always use is with gaming is that sort of the the episodes are like your cutscenes, if you will. They they are the things that have to happen to move the story forward. But then yeah. the, there's gameplay around that, and that's fascinating. Yeah. Thank you. Have we got time for one more? <laughs> no, someone going. <laughs> so I guess that means no. Okay, cool. <laughs>